to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. I've uh, been very cautious. Yeah. No, it's okay. That's okay, brother. You're going to dip some of that cinnamon roll there in that garlic? Brother. Some of that cinnamon stuff. <laughs> wow. Now, now you're getting like a little trash tower. <laughs> like, he put the, every, the he empty put garlic, everything, everything on the floor, and then right. he's just bringing it all back one by one. <laughs> I kind of just want to take this black curtain down, <laughs> and we can just see what's going on back there. It's like behind the kitchen, you know? <laughs> the, the empty garlic thing, the pepperoncini or whatever it's called. We should do, we should do like background episodes where it's like, what's Micah snacking on? Yeah, there right. you go. I just yeah. picture like Seth under there, you're like, cinnamon bite. up each thing, yeah. We should have someone do one of those walks where it looks like they're walking up from the stairs. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> Bring me some bringing you some more food. Tobin, where you at, man? <laughs> His dad was so happy about the Tobin. Oh, really? that's funny. I bet. took a picture of it and sent it to him. <laughs> that's funny. That's so great. Love it. Oh, the Tobin. Now I'm that so, our dumpster's I'm been so emptied, I can finish found. cleaning the storage. Good. I was speaking of, I've been meaning to go back there. It doesn't matter, but I'm glad that you found the Tobin. I'm glad you cleaned the storage. Working on it. I'm glad everything's going great, you know? Working on it. Brian, you doing all right? Man, I am doing fantastic. Good. I asked that in a very leading way. What I should say is, Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Oh, Thanks. Good. So you're still doing good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, I see yeah. it. So like, yeah. There's, there's, there's plenty of times back in the, back in the time, whenever I would manipulate social situations, I don't do that anymore because I'm a very good person. Mm. Uh, I don't manipulate social situations anymore. If I didn't want to talk to somebody, what I would say is, are you doing good? Because most people, they would just say yes to that question because they most of the time don't want to talk either. But if they're given the freedom, if they're having a bad day and they're given the freedom to talk about that bad day, or at least say something like same crap, different day, mm -hmm. given the freedom to say at least like a little one liner, then that I feel the need to be like, oh, how can I help you? <laughs> did you ever did you ever have somebody when you said, are you doing good? Did you ever have somebody say, well, that's subjective based off of what you view as good and evil because oh my gosh, good is no, I did good is different than well. I don't know very many crazy people. <laughs> you know, are like that's yeah, trash. Just how are you doing well today? But, yeah, because good is like if something is good, if it has good value to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked I liked how you defined good with the word good just with a different inflection because <laughs> you know good means good. good. <laughs> it doesn't mean bad. It doesn't mean bad. Bad is bad. But it means bad. <laughs> but also, I, what I like to do when I was manipulating people is when are you were you manipulating people. when I was manipulating people is are you doing good today? Because it also most most of the time people in those situations, most of the time people want to say same crap, different day. They want to talk about their bad day. They want to do those things. And so when you say, are you doing good today? They'll most of the time say, oh yeah, like, oh yeah, today's not that bad. Like, yeah, yeah, not that bad. So I'm also forcing them to realize, hey, stop complaining. Yeah. That's also what I'm doing. You, yeah. Wow. I look them in the face and say, you're, you're big, you're big fat baby. Yeah. You're big, you're a big adult baby. There's a, there's a guy in Angelo, one of the places we get parts from. Is he a big he, adult baby? No, he, he's an older guy. <laughs> he cracks me up because he does it every time. 
and uh, walking, he's like, "Hey, Stephen, how are you doing? Good. Yeah, you're doing good. Good. Good to hear. Good to hear." Before I even say a word, and I'm like, "Because <laughs> he doesn't want to talk to you." He started. He figured out the system. You asked I a question, gave him that. and you answered my question. I'm like, "I'm doing great now." He figured yeah. out the system. Are you doing good? Good. I'm glad you're doing good. Parts too. Hey, Stephen, you need this part. Good. Glad you need it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 he's a great salesman. Yeah, that'd be five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. How are you, man? Oh my gosh, I'm good. You doing good, Pierce? <laughs> I'm good. Yes. How do you know if you're? I'm good? well. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm excited about today's topic. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, how you doing? <laughs> I just got back from a crazy trip. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, man. it was like... We haven't seen you in forever. No, it's been a year. Are you it's ever, like, ever going to come to church again? Um, Let's see. Church I will be gone this Sunday again. I'll be in Minnesota this weekend. Minnesota. Oh, nice. oh, don't you know. So, yeah, this month I will, I will really have bad. been... Uh, let's see. Preached in Georgia, Rock Hill, South Carolina... Houston and then Minnesota. Yeah, you've been so, busy, wow. man. Minnesota, All over the place. yeah. Where they have pop. They don't have Dr. Pepper. They have pop. Pop. My grandfather uh, up in Oregon. Um, pop. I remember, yeah. And I remember being a kid and we, we, were, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so a two liter of Coke or whatever for 99 cents was a very rare treat. Like if mm. you were having company or if it was your birthday or whatever, you could have soda for dinner that night. And so I remember being up there at my grandparents and my, we called him Papa. And, and he'd go, he'd say, you want a pop? And I looked at him, I was like, like a popsicle? Like, you know, I remember like that uh, first encounter. Yeah. And I was like, like, I don't, like, I don't, do he mean? goes, go get a pop out of the icebox. I had no idea what either one of those things were. <laughs> <What's an icebox? laughs> so I go out and I'm looking and I'm not finding the pop. Yeah. You know, and it was like, my mom had to tell me it's Coke it's and soda. Coke. You know? yeah, yeah. Coke. It's like the Brian Reed joke where he meets that guy that says, hey, you want to go halves on a pie? <laughs> this is like an apple <laughs> cherry yeah you've been busy man been busy but it's been good Pierce good and I was trying to like formulate a bunch of jokes around the we couldn't we couldn't afford a soda he said he said he went to mini to, to mini he, he went to he went to Minnesota, <laughs> mini Minnesota. Soda. He went to Minnesota so I couldn't afford a soda so I was trying to formulate a mini soda joke oh, and then wow. he said we called what'd you call your grandpa Papa Papa and we he wanted to get Papa. a pop and so I was like oh there's a Papa joke in there somewhere oh, too like, there's so many jokes based off all these words none of those are jokes a mini soda maybe he is becoming needed, a real dad <laughs> I needed a mini soda because I couldn't afford a regular soda Pop in an icebox. He wanted to go sit on the commode while you go get the icebox. That's what my grandpa would have said. <laughs> I, well, I'm on the commode. You go run to the icebox real quick. Commode. Commode. The John. Commode. Oh, this is right, right here. Um, <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm glad everybody's. I'm glad everybody's doing. Good. I'm glad you're back. We get to see you for a little bit, and then you're going to Minnesota. I just. I don't. I don't. I don't even. I've never even. It's been so long since I've heard somebody from Minnesota. I don't even know if I'm doing any of that accents right. We need to go uh, watch Fargo, right? In Fargo set. I think so. Yeah, don't. Don't you know? Don't you know? Hey, hey, is it Canada? And it's that uh, same influence. It's like your brother-in-law. Oh, true. Jared still says it. Yeah. Any listeners in Minnesota? Jared's from Canada. Yeah. How fun! I have no idea yeah. if there's any. And he's listeners in Texas. From Minnesota. Not anymore. He's in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> San Angelo used to have a hockey team. What? And he came down to play hockey. Was our hockey team the Jackalopes? Uh, that's no, no that's Odessa. Odessa. Is that Odessa? Yeah, oh, okay. Outlaws. I knew I grew yeah, up. So he he came down to play hockey, uh-huh. and one of the girls who was the manager for the team was friends with my sister in law. She was like, I don't want to go pick up this guy by myself. Like I got to take him to dinner or whatever. She was like, Come with me. So Kristen went with her, and they decided, well, if he's cute, we'll take him to dinner. Otherwise, we'll just take him to the hotel. 
And so Jarrett walked out and they were like, so where do you want to go eat? <laughs> and then Jarrett and Kristen started dating. It was like something local, eh? <laughs> and then when uh, when hockey came to an end, he went back and they continued their relationship. You, you don't know this story? No, man. That's cool. So they got married in Canada. Dope. Uh, by... Um, a by, moose. By, yeah, no. <laughs> by Kristen's cousin who's from Texas. And so, so he couldn't legally sign like their marriage license. So oh, he said, wow. he said, you know what, when you guys get back to Texas, we'll get a marriage license in San Angelo and we'll sign it there. Yeah. So they get to the border after mm -hmm. their honeymoon in Canada, they get to the border and their cars loaded down with all these wedding gifts. And the, the border people say, Hey, are you guys married? And they're like, well, no, like we're not, you know, mm -hmm. cause they're not. Yeah. But they go through the car and find all these wedding presents. Congratulations on your wedding. So it looks like they're like, cheating or something so they send them back they can't cross the border right yeah. this was 2006 same year michelle and i got married so five days later in a hotel room they get a justice of the peace or somebody up there to marry them mm -hmm. and then they try to cross again and the guy's like wait a minute are you working in texas or what are you doing in texas you're like no we just got married and like i'm just moving back to be there with her family and so their church here in San Angelo had been praying for them. Like, I hope that they're able to get across. I hope everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And he's like, so you don't work in San Angelo? And he's like, no. He goes, I lived down there when I played hockey a few years ago. Well, they go through his wallet and find a business card from a guy he went to church with here. Mm -hmm. The whole church here knows and is praying that he'll, they'll be able to come across this time. They weren't able to five days ago. Mm -hmm. So the, the Border Patrol there. They went through his wallet? Yeah. Calls the guy here. Mm -hmm. He says, do you know this guy? Yeah, yeah, I know that guy. Is he working for you? Oh, yeah, he's a great worker. Really oh love having God. him work for me. He's been really good. We really like him. So so they shut it down, and they won't let him cross. Yeah. He was stuck in Canada for two years. It took them two no years. So she had to come back here and go back to work. School started. She, yeah. she uh, works in the school system. And it took two years for them to get the paperwork in place and for them to appeal all of that. Hey. Leave it to one of us West Texans. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a great worker. He's a good boy. Do you want, should he be working for me? That's <laughs> what you should ask. Like, does he need to be working for me? <laughs> no, he shouldn't be working. Well, this? then he's not working for me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Jared's Canadian. Wow. Hey. Yeah. How crazy. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, like, he's very manly. Like, he was building log cabins and stuff like that up in Canada. With chainsaws. With chainsaws. Yeah. yeah and, like, he, uh, um, he was winning, like, uh, dirt bike derbies and stuff when he was six. Yeah. And stuff like that. And just, just normal Canadian things. You know, you know, James Kelly. Basically. Yeah. Canadian. Just, yeah. I, know, I know a lot of Canadians. Was Look born, at you, man. Born in, born in Canada. Born in Canada. Born in Canada. Born in Canada. <laughs> all right yeah what's i mean i'm just in shock with all these canada talk let's go yeah, over that the, was a lot let's go over to the pcc <laughs> i'll make i'll make it quick today uh i i had a conversation recently about uh oh yeah here we go. Uh, hey, i'm joining you today dr pepper not we didn't sponsor we never figured out an easy or a great way to that toast was, but it looked really funny <laughs> 12 ounce and i got the seven and a half yeah, ounce. No, right, yeah. <laughs> it's the mini and the big yeah. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, for the applause on our. We should start a show like a subtle like applause. Like Robert Big, like yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> big, big and mini, big and mini. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I had a conversation recently with uh, with some people, and they were just talking about uh, kind of changes in their friendship, kind of changes in, in communication, and changes in things like that. And uh, and they're younger, they're teenagers, and I and I thought, man, how my first thought was, well, how mature that like what they're what they're wanting to do is they were just realizing, well, life is happening, and and we we want to remain friends, and we want we just, we just want to figure out how do, how do we navigate that like we're just, we're both busier. We, we were trying to figure out how to communicate in the midst of this and we're growing up and it kind of feels like we're growing apart, but we also know that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. And I was like, man, like this, this is happening in real time. Like, this is crazy. This is super cool. Like my, my first thought, that was all my first thought was like, this is really neat that these are people that their first thought is that they, they were seeking out just somebody who was older that like they wanted some sort of wisdom in the midst of that. And I thought, how neat is that? Because I remember when I was in high school, when those things began to happen, when people would either uh, join a different team or join a different club or start a different relationship or get new friend groups and other friends began to either uh, you just began to not see them as much or not hang out with them as much or just different time allotments, just life happens. You begin to breed resentment and be like, or you just begin to just not talk to each other. And then you begin to your first thoughts, to avoid eye contact in the hall. And then you just don't ever talk to that person again. And then one person inevitably be like, I just don't know what happened. We just kind of drifted apart. And then like, nobody ever talks about it. It's just awkward. And then you bump into each other and then like, you're the only two people in the library that one day and you're like, oh, hey, what's up, man? Like, it's just kind of like awkward. awkward because it wasn't ever really addressed. You went to the library? I mean, you know, one time and I bumped into that one guy. Yeah, <laughs> You just end up like being the only two people on a staircase or somewhere. And you're just like, oh, this is weird and awkward because we never addressed that. We used to hang out all the time and now we don't. And it was weird. And I'm not saying that you always have to address that. I was just, I literally, I've never really witnessed a situation where there was two people who were like, man, we're friends and we're going through these life changes and things are happening, but we still want to be friends. How can we navigate this? advice do you have any advice for this and that was and that was just kind of the conversation we had and we walked through it and i thought man that's super neat and i and and one of the things that we had just talked about was like you guys are already at a place where um they're they're both believers and i was like and i was like you guys are at a place where you know and understand the highest form of grace like in christ and i said in the midst of this and also and you guys are already a place where you know and understand honesty that you're both being honest with where you are in life right now and i, I said that's already leaps and bounds a lot of ahead of a lot of people of where they are most people are at 16. and i said so uh I said, so extend that to each other and also extend that to a lot of people as you go in life. Like, um, like just be, continue to be honest with each other. And, and, and if you don't hear back from each other, or if you're not able to hang out with each other, if you're not able to talk to each other, extend grace to each other. It's going to be so tempting to continue to be selfish. It's going to be so tempting to, uh, to elevate your needs above the other person in life. And that's how most people are going to handle relationships. And that's how uh, even adults and people that I see, uh, who drift apart because of jobs jobs or college and uh, as they grow older and even people, even family members who don't show up to, uh, to Thanksgiving because of something that happens in life, they mm -hmm. grow resentment within their own family groups because of these things. Like, because they just don't talk because they don't have that honesty and they don't extend that grace. And I was like, you guys are at a great place to build this foundation of how you interact with other people just based off of how you guys have, have, uh, have approached y'all's own friendship. Like you can begin to begin cultivating this mindset of how you approach all your relationships, which is super cool. So, um, that's not necessarily, I guess, I mean, yeah, that's a culture commentary that, well, if that, it's not, then you just totally ruin the whole segment. I ruined my whole corner <laughs> is that my, my commentary on culture is that, 
what this did was this shined a light on something of, of how most people can, you, you, most people don't know how to attribute value to their different relationships. That's one thing I told them. I said, there are going to be a lot of relationships that, excuse me, that are very time-based. And once you begin to not be able to attribute time to them, those are going to fall away and that's fine. And there are going to be those relationships that you learn to fight for and you learn to really fight for the time towards those. And there are going to be those relationships that you don't have the time to fight for those. But then when you see each other, you just pick right back up where you, where you, uh, where you left off. Mm-hmm. And I said, and you'll be able to learn and discern what those relationships look like when you get to those relationships. And so, so you guys are an awesome place where, uh, where I mean, culture has trained us where you basically start just with your parents and your siblings and then your circle grows a little bit with school and then your circle grows a little bit with middle school and then your circle grows a little bit with with uh, high school. But as it's growing, you're having to navigate those waters and figure out things. And so you've just gotten to a place where you're like- You had more friends in high school than you did in elementary. I'm just saying like you're, you're more and more- you're, Mine went the other way. Yeah. <laughs> you're just around more people where you're like, yeah, yeah. How, how do I navigate this? Like, what do I do? You're doing more and more and more things. Uh, <clears throat> and so- and so all that be said, I was just like, man, you guys are at a great place to really, to really lay the groundwork. And I think a lot of people, what they do is they never lay the groundwork. They never learn how to, how to navigate those relationships. And so what happens is there's somebody in their 40 who is still continually building resentment because in their, in their mind, and I, I mean, I, th- I would say that probably all three of us here know these types of people that um, you hear the stories at Thanksgiving. Well, so-and-so never called me or texted me and they never did this. And they never made these plans. And you always want to say back like, well, what happened on your end? Like, did you ever say anything? Did you ever do anything? What? Like, this goes both ways. Um, and they're still complaining about or holding on to things from the past and they're not extending grace. They're ne- they never extended the communication and they've never really attributed any sort of value to these different relationships on their own end. Um, and therefore they're just in this constant state of disarray within all their relationships. And it's all based off how other people are handling it. And I looked at two teenagers in the face and I was like, you guys are handling this life or handling this aspect of life seemingly so much more mature than a lot of people are. And I was like, man, it just shined. It spent, I spent just a little under an hour just talking about this with them. And I was like, that's so cool that you can shine a light on an issue that so many people have and y'all are so young. That's dope. Super cool. So way to go. The, the youth of America. <laughs> way to go. Youth of America. Hey. Hey. Uh, and you know what? I, like it. I, I did it. I did it today. I wrote out transition. I did it. Well, we'll see. You know, sometimes Ryan, and Mike, the youth too. of today. <laughs> no, that's not. That's not. Gonna, that's, that's not going to be it. Oh, come okay, on, good, come on good, now. good, good. Well, sometimes when the youth of the day grow up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those relationships don't have to grow apart. Mm. You know, sometimes those relationships they grow closer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes they go real close, <laughs> and sometimes they get together in a very intimate and close way. Mm. Not apart. That's the We're transition. talking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> yes! I, th- I thought I, yes! I thought you were a joke. I something. thought you were supposed to pitch it to me and say, "What are we talking about today?" <laughs> oh, sorry. You just no, want sorry. to say it. No, yeah, no, no. It. You ruined we're, it, Pierce. We're talking about sex. Hey, Ryan, what are we talking about today? <laughs> yeah, hey, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about sex. Baby. I applause every oh, time my. you say the word sex. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a podcast with 12 year olds today. <laughs> when is, how's algorithm going to work with this? Like, is there an algorithm for how many times you say sex? It's going to be like the most rated R podcast. <laughs> um, 
All right. Yeah. So we are, we are talking about sex today. Our simpler uh, idea for today is sex should be regarded as holy. And, and that is the approach we want to take about it or for it or to it. And we want our discussion to be <laughs> about how sex is holy and yet somehow juvenile, I'm imagining. <laughs> but Ryan, isn't sex a taboo topic that Christians shouldn't talk about? <laughs> well, actually, Pierce, uh, sex was uh, created by God prior to the fall. Adam and Eve were naked and felt no shame. And I think what we've done in our Christian culture is we've made it a taboo topic and we've made it something that people are ashamed of or think something that people are embarrassed by instead of treating it as though, uh, I think we treat sex as though it's a product of the fall mm. rather than it's something that was part of a holy marriage yeah. that God had created prior to the fall. Like yeah. it's, it, sex is part of the perfect living environment, the perfect system, which mm -hmm. is crazy because I think we think of it as kind of this necessary thing to propagate and make more children or whatever, but otherwise it's really taboo and really dirty and bad. Like, and there so, really are people who deal deal with it that way. Like a, a hundred percent. Like yeah. yeah. And so I do apologize in advance for all the comments that my co-hosts are going to make and the peanut gallery over there is going to make. And Don't look at me. I'm looking right I'm, at you, I'm man. muting myself <laughs> for the next 45 minutes. Listen, I, I know, I know how prolifically Pierce has had to use the editing button for you. In <laughs> <laughs> one time, one time, one time. And it, yeah, but because because the people who listen to the podcast don't know because it's always been edited out, I can make it be as many times as I want. I know. To. That's terrible. Yeah, we normally have five hour long episodes. That I have to have oh my god, four hours of Stephen out. Um, you know, I I grew up good. Uh, I grew. That's <laughs> great. That's good. I grew up in. Uh, some version of a Christian home, cultural or not. I, th I think that my mom was a believer. I think a very young believer. Um, she didn't really grow up in a Christian home. My dad definitely didn't grow up in a Christian home. I don't believe my dad was ever a believer before he died. But my, my mom did what she knew to do to teach us as kids and to train us and to guard us from like whatever, you know. And so I remember one of the things, uh, <laughs> there was a preparing for adolescence six tape series by James Dobson that she made me listen <laughs> to and uh, listen to tape six. So this, I was like 12. So this would have been like, you know, 87 uh, tape six was all about sex and the changes in the, in the male and female body. And so <laughs> I, I remember I have this vivid memory of sitting in our recliner in our living room while this tape is playing over my dad's stereo system and my mom's dusting the living room and like, okay, is, do I need to pause that? Do you have any questions? And I just hated it. <laughs> Your mom was there when you listened to that? Yeah. She was, she was trying to train me up, you know, yeah. and, but, but my, my two biggest memories of sex conversations as a kid growing up were that one, which was incredibly awkward. Um, and then youth pastors saying over and over again, you shouldn't have sex before marriage. Sex is wrong. And, and I got taught my entire life, sex is wrong, mm -hmm. which isn't true. Uh, Sex was holy. I, like here, here's the here's the thing that 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 which God has made is good. Anything that God has made is good, and then humans come in and screw it all up, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the Garden of Eden was good, mm -hmm. and then the, Adam and Eve were cut off from it because of mishandling it, right? And so, so sex isn't this thing that we should be ashamed of. It's it's amazing to me that in premarital counseling, a lot of pastors will talk with couples about. Uh, budgeting. They'll talk about kids. They'll talk about managing expectations within marriage, but they won't talk about sex. In fact, 
uh, I think that's a little bit ridiculous because I think most Christians who are, I'm 46, Pierce, you're 31, probably in our age I'm range. 30. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You're 15 years oh, younger no, I'm than 31. me. 31. Come on down. You had that stroke. I, can't, I forgot a whole <laughs> year. Messed you up. Like, yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I think a lot of Christians our age, I remember the very first wedding I ever did, the, um, Leading into it, I would ask this couple, like, are you more excited or more nervous about sex? And the girl was like, I'm terrified. Like, it's bad. Like, I'm, my, she was 23, I think. Uh, he was 22, 23, and they were about to be married. And she was like, my whole life I've been told this is bad. You don't do this. And I had mm. to kind of kind of reset that for them so they could go into it with a, a correct view. But I had a, a few years ago, well, more than that now, um, seven or eight years ago, I was doing this wedding for this couple who lived out in Dallas. And uh, right before the wedding, I was passing through um, we were both in Austin at the same time because that's where their families were from. And I said, well, let's meet a couple weeks before the wedding just to go through the wedding, make sure we have everything we need and let's talk about sex. And so they were also doing premarital counseling with their their Sunday school teacher and his wife. And so the night before they met with me, they had met with them one last time in Dallas. And the, the guy there said, now, now listen, I I can talk to you about sex if 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 you want to. And, and he looked at the husband, the future husband, and he goes, I'll, I'll take you over into my office. And he looked at the bride and he goes, and my wife can take you over into the living room and talk to you guys. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. We're going to meet with our friend Ryan, who's doing our wedding tomorrow or this next week or whatever. And he's going to talk to us about sex. And straight up, they told me the dude was like, like together. And, and I just got thinking, <laughs> if this man can't, who's married to his wife, can't sit down with a couple who's about to be married and talk to them in the same room about sex, that dude's marriage bed probably is sucks, you know? Like, like why are we so ashamed? Been like, wait, y'all have sex yeah. together? Wait yeah, a minute. Like, wait, a minute. wait a minute. It's like, uh, it's like uh, the naked gun when they have the full body condoms. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> no. The condom covers them head to toe and they look like these two giant worms <laughs> rubbing up, like, falling into the bed together. And it's like, that's kind of like, everybody's like, oh no, it's too taboo. You can't. You can't think about sex. You can't talk about sex. And it's just, man, like. Which is funny because like if we, if we actually had a movie going through the Old Testament. Oh gosh. It, it wouldn't have a rating because there's so much sex in the Old Testament. And it's yeah. to prove your point, maybe more intensely about sex being holy. Sex is something that God uses to show the unfaithfulness of Israel as his people. Ezekiel 16 yeah. is like this. You know, and the desire he has to be close his, to right, his people. You're right. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, I think what sometimes people miss is, is sex in its intention between a man and a woman was meant to show this picture of intimacy that God has with his yeah. people. Yeah. And so what you're doing in that, in that moment is, is he's allowing you to enjoy this thing that he created to yes. be holy, but you're also you're also like mirroring to some degree this intimacy that we have with God. Yeah, for sure. And that's why he was so upset at his people. He would say, you're running after other lovers. He used- And he says, and you should have desired me. Desired and it's me. sexual language. Right, it's not, yeah. yeah. So like the picture of sex has always been about intimacy and painting the picture of intimacy with God. And I think what we've done in our modern Quick culture- Quick thing, yeah. same thing, First Corinthians 6. Do you not know that you who have joined yourself to the Lord have become one in spirit with him? Right. For does it not say- and then it says, it says, for God made the two one flesh. So again, there, our relationship with Christ, he uses the sexual language from Genesis 2, two yeah. to talk about what it looks like to be close to Christ. Go Pointing ahead. Pointing out the intimacy. But I think what we've done in our modern culture with, I mean, I grew up the same way in hearing preachers at camps and retreats and stuff say, you know, don't, don't have sex. That's all I'd ever heard. Right. Don't have sex. Yeah, me too. I, I think mm -hmm. it may have been from the correct, you know, heart, like trying to keep sure. kids from having, you know, 
unholy sex is what we could say. Could yeah, we say, but that's a great way to say. <clears throat> that's all we. I think sex should be regarded churches, as holy. Yeah. You know, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. And I think what we've done is we've given sex a misnomer, even in the um, like the intention to try to keep people from having sex in an unholy way. We right. have misrepresented what sex actually is because throwing the, the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, because the initial yeah. statement "don't have sex" is is saying that sex is something that is associated with negativity, with wrong, yeah, with sin. Right. It can be, but it can be because it's done in an unholy manner. Right. That's like, I don't feel any different about saying, um, like those of you who are believers that get married to a non-believer, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. that's not God's, it's not painting the picture that God intended marriage to yeah. paint. Yeah. So well, nobody says that, you know, these camps, right. they don't say, don't have sex, don't marry someone who's not a believer. They don't put those two things together in the same, it's right. not the same awkward conversation. And I get it. It's because, you know, after the fall, <clears throat> even um, people who weren't followers of God, sex was something that was elevated in a way that was the antithesis of intimacy with God. It was, yeah, yeah. it's almost painted that way as well. Like, yeah. um, like, you've, these other countries have always worshiped these other gods and that's painted in the same kind of sexual way. And so I think that, I mean, mankind has ruined what God intended to be holy, but then we never, we never really reconciled that. I think in modern conversation about sex within the church, we never brought back, right. We should be the ones whose kids are, I mean, this probably won't ever happen. It'd be great if our kids were the ones at school who were like, Oh yeah, we know about sex. That's what yeah. God intended in this relationship between a man and woman yeah. of faith to represent the relationship with God. Yeah. We know all about that. Well, it, two things. One, to add to your sex is meant to be a picture, right, of this intimacy that we can have between God. So if uh, and us, right? Like if you go back to Genesis two, where it says the two Adam and Eve were naked and felt no shamed. I have a theory. I, I have a theory that if you can't be in the marriage bed free from shame, like listen, if we were we, Micah, you and I have been friends 19 years next month. Pierce, you and I over a decade now. Um, Steven, next month. <laughs> Steven, you and I might be friends one day. And so like, but if, if we were, go ahead, go ahead. If I remain muted. Nice, nice. Obviously. If, if we were all sitting here naked, it would be a little awkward. Right. Oh, like, yeah. uh, I mean, like naked public nakedness is a little bit strange, but like it should not be strange between a husband and a wife in the marriage bed. Right. Yep. And I have a theory that if somebody is ashamed of, of being naked with their spouse in a, in a sexually intimate way, I have a theory that they're also ashamed to be completely real and raw before God. Mm. Like if, if, mm. if the marriage relationship is supposed to be a picture of how intimately we can know God and how intimately acquainted we can be with him. And we're ashamed of the intimacy we can have with our spouse. I, I, I just wonder if there isn't also, if the analogy is flawed, I wonder if the reality is also mm. flawed that maybe because we're ashamed in our marriage bed, we're also ashamed before God. And, and I wonder how many Christians are walking around ashamed before God. I wonder if it's flipped. Yeah. I wonder if it's uh, because people are ashamed before God, they're ashamed in their marriage bed. I mean, I think that, I mean, I think we could say it like for, for new Testament now for us, like those of us who are in Christ that, I mean, obviously our, our stance is like our state before God doesn't change. Once we put our faith in faith in Jesus, we're declared Mm -hmm. righteous. But I think there's an essence where our, uh, the intensity of our relationship with him can, you know, can wane to some degree at, sure. at times. And so I think maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the reflection. I don't know. Maybe it's like. They're correlated. I think definitely anyway. correlated. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, I, I would, I would, 
at least venture a guess that if if someone has this intense walk with Jesus, that it's going to be a lot easier for them to enjoy yeah. sex with their spouse in a way that is untainted by. Well, I have things. a I have a pastor friend who once said he's a few years older than me, uh, and he said he goes, "Man, I know that from a biblical perspective, I should be able to be in the marriage bed and be enjoying my wife in a sexual way and saying." God, thank you for this blessing. And he goes, but it feels really wrong to say that. Like it feels wrong to thank God for that moment. And we were were just talking about how like there's, there's such a hindrance there. Michael, what you were saying a minute ago, I love it about our kids. Here's what Christians do. Christians will say to other Christians, you got to talk to your kids about sex because if you don't, they'll hear about it from the world instead of approaching it from the standpoint of sex is holy and it is a blessing mm-hmm. and it's not you avoid sex because it's shameful. It's because you you guard sex because it's holy. Yeah, Like you, you treat it with, it, it's supposed to come with this intimacy of a husband and wife, of two people being joined together in one. There is a narrative for it. There is an environment for it where it is beautiful and holy and, and glorifies God. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we miss that. Like th- this glorifies and proclaims God. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like, it's like saying to someone, like if, you know, if you'll, if you'll protect this, then, you know, and after a little while you can have a Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Um, or you can drink a Mr. Pib now. Yeah. There you go. Uh, (laughs) For those of you who that, that didn't make sense to Micah loves Dr. Pepper a whole lot. Um, almost like it's, it's kind of like his wife and then his kids. And then like right under there, like just a breath, Dr. Pepper, you know? And, <laughs> and so he, he thinks that all the other doctors and the Mr. Pibs and all that are just hellacious. And, uh, so that's the the analogy there. One of the things that I would say is, uh, um, I, I think, I think that sex between the husband and wife, I think it should be prioritized. Um, and it might mean that you have to kind of schedule it sometimes. Life gets busy. You have four kids, Micah, and you are, they are, uh, the three oldest are doing all sorts of athletic kind of stuff. And they're, you guys are always going, like you just said, you've been traveling a lot this month. You're going to continue to travel. Um, it would be really easy to kind of just let, you know, like the physical intimacy, the closeness that you share with your wife, it'd be easy to just go, oh, well, that's not a priority. I think, I mean, I can speak to that just like, not too intensely in my personal. No, life, yeah, but yeah. I think that uh, I'm still very attracted to my wife. Like that's a really soft way of saying it. I don't want to be like too mushy over the podcast, mm-hmm. but like I can't come home from these events and give my wife a hug and not think about having sex with my wife. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just like the. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if I mean it would be easy, maybe schedule wise to do that, and like it's not convenient. Maybe you could say it that way. Yeah. Um, but I, I've never felt like, man, I've got to force myself to like desire my wife. You know what I mean? You know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? So yeah. like, you're right. Like it's, it'd be easy to like get into the schedule of things and just flow. But I, I think there's more intensity to that because I think what sometimes people forget, people forget is that while we're talking about sex and it's intention and purpose and it's beauty, um, sex is still a very small part of our relationship as far as time goes. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that if you were to have sex with your spouse 30 minutes every day, it's still less than 3% of your entire relationship. We're going to do some socks about that one time for marriage yeah. conferences. Yeah. Like, or a t-shirt that says I'm trying to be a three percenter. <laughs> yeah, <something like> <laughs> I, st- I still, I still have people ask me, how's your 3%? I still have people ask me and I'm like, man, I wish, I wish, you know, I'm working. But like, I think that like sex is almost like part of the relationship in a way that I think it's it's connected where if I have a good relationship with my wife 
um, the the natural outflow of that is sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll I'll admit there's nuances to that conversation with yes. different people in different scenarios. I get it, but I I think what I'm saying is, well, it it doesn't always express itself. Maybe in intercourse there might be a health uh, sure. situation or something like that. But there is a sexual intimacy that that is part of that relationship. Yeah, and I think it's reflected in those Old Testament stories where God says your desire should be for me and not for somebody else. I think what he's alluding to is you're going to have a desire for somebody. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And and I think that's, I think we were talking about this prior to the podcast, prior to recording, but um, is it 2 Corinthians Paul talks about? 1 Corinthians 7. Okay, that's right. The section he says where people get confused because he says it's better for you not to marry. Yeah. When really it's probably better translated it's better for you not to have sex is what he's trying to say there. It's better for you not to like taint this thing that is holy. I don't know, another conversation, but yeah. he says, you know, don't deprive yourselves except for a time of prayer and fasting so that you're not, what does it say, tempted by the enemy? Yeah. Do not deprive yourself. This is first uh, Corinthians seven, five. Do not deprive yourself uh, except for perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer and fasting, but then come back together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so I think there's an essence where it, it, what that's alluding to is that you still will have a desire for something. Yes. Like we are, we are built to be sexual beings. Mm. Yeah. And, and not just prior to the fall, this was wired in who we are. Yep. Yep. And so if, if we don't understand that, like, if mm-hmm. it, let me just say this, if you think somehow, if we think somehow that setting a list of moral rules is going to keep us from a heart that desires things that are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been greatly mistaken. Like right. you want to, <laughs> you want to protect your marriage, develop a relationship with each other in, in an intimate way and let sex be part of that relationship. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I think for some, for some relationships, that means that needs to be a slow progress growth. Sure. For some of you that are ready to be three percenters, it means that you're, yeah. you know, you're rocking it. Well, so don't- to, to your slow <laughs> progress part, like, if there have been previous betrayals in the marriage, if there have been previous hurts, if one of you or both of you have come from a, a past where there's been abuse, this is going to be something that takes a little more discipline, a little more time, yeah. and a little more tenderness and care, and, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but you don't avoid it because it takes time and discipline, and you, right. you still seek to embrace it. You still seek to have and it be I'll, part I'll of your. I'll say this: if you're if you're someone in an awkward position like that, like if there's some like a jaded past or things in the past or health concerns. I think it's a good idea to have somebody or a group of people that you can like converse with about your situation. Don't let it just be between you and your spouse. Like talk to people about it because there's, there's an essence where you will like jail yourself up in your emotions and then it will wreck your relationship because you're not willing to be open about it and talk about it. I think it's just an, it's an important thing. One of the things that I would encourage us to do as if you're a parent is, um, have these conversations with your kids. Like it, instead of it being something that we're embarrassed about or shame, ashamed of, like mm-hmm. have these conversations about the holiness of sex and that God's designed for it. Um, and, and let it be something. I, I love what Micah said. This is now my goal for my boys, but I love it. Uh, that, that our kids as Christians would be the ones who would be more outspoken about sex. Part of the reason that I think the school culture talks about it so much is because it's like this secret thing that like, Hey, let me unpack this for you. Let me reveal this thing to you. Let me show you this thing, you know? And like, and if, if we can kind of remove some of the mystery of it and bring it into the light where now, Hey, here's this holy, beautiful gift, this thing that's, that's separate or different, Mm -hmm. you know, than we've always treated it as. I think that it, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I just can kind of, hopefully what we're doing is creating a generation of Christians that don't, don't get married and then immediately hate sex. Like, um, for every couple 
that I've had before marriage say I'm nervous about sex because I've always been told it was wrong. I've had at least one or two couples who after getting married have come back to me and said, we can't even have sex anymore because we're so ashamed. Mm. And, and they were just ashamed. They'd been taught their whole lives to be ashamed. And so they're like, how do you, yeah. how do, you do this without being ashamed? And the struggle that they had mentally was, I've been taught for 22 years or 25 years or nearly 30 years that this is bad. And now I'm told it's okay. Yeah, And we've got to quit teaching our kids it's bad. And we've got mm-hmm. to keep, start teaching them what God has designed is holy mm-hmm. and what how man has corrupted it. That's the profane part. That's yeah. the part that's the problem. Yeah. And I think that's ingrained in our culture. I think that's why there's, uh, I think, a lot of dissatisfaction in even like Christian couples in their sex life is because we're surrounded by a culture that paints sex in a certain light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of people have this expectation, like if sex isn't this way for me, then something's wrong and something's yeah. missing. And that's like, man, that's, that's a warning for us. We got to be conscious and cautious that we're not letting the world affect the standard of intimacy for us. Like yeah. let yeah. the, let the word of God be the, like the driving force behind that. Let our relationship with God drive our relationship, our intimacy with our spouses. And then yeah. let that, I mean, I mean, to be honest, sex is a part of the relationship. It is, it is not mm-hmm. the relationship, right? But so many marriages break and have struggles because of, of sex. Yeah. It's the second uh, cause or the second biggest cause of divorce. Yeah. Behind money. I I think this, Micah, you're right that it's, it is a small percentage of a healthy marriage. What I think, however, is that most people don't recognize that something is wrong in their marriage until something's wrong in the marriage bed. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And and so usually people are using the marriage bed as the identifying mark and they're like, "Man, our our marriage is screwed up because of this sex thing or that sex thing." And mm-hmm. usually if you're if you're an astute counselor, what you'll normally do is go, "Hey, look, this is probably being impacted by something else." Let's figure out what this something else is, you know, but most people don't realize that something's wrong until the husband's addicted to porn or until the wife's had an affair or Mm. it's the sexual things that bring to the surface. Oh, something's wrong. Yeah. And, uh, and the reality is that the reason something's wrong in the marriage bed, because I really do think the marriage bed is a product. The intimacy is a product of the other 98%. Yeah. And so if the intimacy is off, that's a telltale sign that something more vital is off. And I think because we're unwilling or uncomfortable to talk about it, it ends mm-hmm. up being an issue. Like I just yes. found out about an organization that um, started years and years ago where the organization apparently was started so that um, the two people who were having an affair could have a place for them to be together. Oh, and it was a mm-hmm. ministry. Of course. And so I think that even in that, where our uncomfortableness in talking about it produces situations like that, where you have something that has the name of Jesus on it, but it's just a front for a yeah an affair. Um, and it's I mean it's it's sick. I mean the enemy's been using sex well for centuries to to wreck people's relationship with God it, and perspective. Of it God. pisses me off so so much because I really really admired Ravi Zacharias. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think I've mentioned this before in here, but like. Uh, when he died a couple of years ago, I think it's been two years, maybe three now, I told my wife, I said, he's one of the few who I haven't seen anything in his ministry that just tarnished it all. And then, you know, like six months later, all this crap comes out. Well, one of the things that he was doing in this massage parlor that he was a, an investor in, um, and to the ministry's credit, to the Ravi Zacharias ministry's credit, when all these accusations came out, they hired a legal team not to protect them, but to research it all yeah, so they could bring to light everything. They were like, we're going to uncover it 
all, mm-hmm. not to not to protect themselves, but to protect the gospel and represent Christ yeah. well. But yeah. one of the things that he would do is there was a, a girl in the massage parlor, a uh, young girl, college age or something. And, and he straight up told her, like, I have a lot of money. You, ha- you need an apartment. You need to pay for school. I'll pay for all your school. You can have sex for me with me. And, and he told her, his words to her were, this is how God rewards me for being a godly man. And this is how God provides you for doing me this favor. Mm. And, and it pisses me off yeah. because, because Christians, uh, Christians do that. Like let, we can't deny that there is sexual abuse in the church, right? So the church is either saying be ashamed of it or the church is is abusing sex. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, like, and what really pisses me off is the church that's preaching, you can't engage in sex, it's it's not holy, is then abusing people with sex. And it's like, no, like- I mean, this is, I think this is just, what you see in, in the law. Like you see Paul's- yeah take on the law like this in, in Galatians, mm-hmm. you know, that's why he despite if he's, what does he say? Like if circumcision is that big of a deal, do you cut the whole thing off? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's making that point. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't be, don't be mistaken about o- obedience to the law. Like yeah. it will not produce, it will not produce righteousness. No. And I think that's what we've done is we're so scared. We're so scared as a Christian culture that people in our churches are just going to have sex. Yeah. Um, we're scared of that. So we don't talk about it. And then we tell people it's wrong instead of painting the picture of what sex is supposed to be. Yeah. Like what would it be like if, if pastors across the world, especially in, in, in America would start, would start teaching in premarital counseling, these couples, these young couples in the church, God's intention and purpose for sex, yeah. setting the perspective early on, what would those marriages be like? And then that would be replicated in those kids. And those kids yep. would go on and have relationships like mm-hmm. that in the future. Like we could we can we can rid ourselves of this ridiculousness by taking the moralistic perspective away from it yep. and start yep. talking about sex as the holy thing that God created it to be. You want I mean there's no guarantee parents that we can keep our kids from having sex before marriage. No. There's no. But, but what I can do is I can give them the correct perspective and say this is this is the gift this beautiful gift that God is offering um within the confines of what he's calling marriage. Yes. And if you will view marriage as holy and view sex mm-hmm. as holy and wait for that. What you get is something that is beyond description, enjoyable and beautiful yeah. and wonderful. And if we painted it that way, instead of saying, don't be a, don't be a sinner. Yeah. Don't have sex now. Like, because, because here's the other thing, right? When Christians, because I think there will still be Christians who fall into those temptations but when they fall into those temptations, because they've been taught their whole life, this is a sinful, shameful thing. They don't reach out. They don't get help. Yeah. People who are struggling with pornography right now listening to this are not getting help because they're ashamed. Right. Yeah. People who have engaged in a physical relationship with their girlfriend and they know that this wasn't God's design for it, they're embarrassed about it. So they're not coming to people that right. they trust and having these conversations. And what we've done is we've taught kids, I, I was taught this, like basically the sexual desires you have as a 15-year-old or 16-year-old or 17-year-old or whatever, those desires are sin. That's what I was taught. And and I, I can't teach that to my kids. I can't say to my kids, the desire you have is wrong. What I can say is the desire you have is something that God created in us prior to the fall. And what we have to do is use it in a way that proclaims God and glorifies God. Yeah. I think we, I think we all have desires. I think we, we have cravings that are part of us. And like, mm-hmm. I, I, um, I mean, like, let's make the topic gluttony instead, right? We have desires for food and more food and more food or whatever, but like the desire for food isn't the problem, you know? 
And I just, I just wish we would talk about this differently. Oh, now he's going to pull out some <laughs> Papa John's, not a sponsor. But uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. These are, these are things that I don't think people realize. I don't think people realize how uh, harmful pornography is. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize how harmful sexual promiscuity is um, and how it's, um, I mean, Paul says it this way again in 1 Corinthians 6, that when you join yourself to someone sexually, you've become one flesh with them. Like we talk about that sometimes in churches, but not often in churches. Yeah. And like there's, there is, uh, I, I, I think. It's um, an intimacy. Yeah. There's a closeness. Was, was meant to be a specific picture within marriage. A yeah. picture of who God is yeah, and, and so the closeness we can have with our Savior. Is like, yeah. like sex outside of that confines, you're painting the wrong picture. Yeah. It is a it is a tainting of the of this beautiful, pure picture. Outside of that confines, it really becomes just about satisfying your own sexual desires. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't become about mm-hmm. uh, intimacy or a closeness or a relationship with the God who loved you and gave himself up for you. Right, right. Yeah. Which I, I think is... It's sad to me that we don't talk about that very often because I think yeah. that if if people would look forward to sex, um, mm. then I think even in like good Christian marriages, it would be less of an issue. I, yes. My guess is based on the, the counseling we've had to do through the years, especially you, Ryan, more than me, um, more often than not, even Christian marriages, there is issue in oh, the sexual relationship. Almost, almost every marriage. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't say this tritely. I know that Sometimes we're a bunch of teenagers when you're we do a, this podcast you're together. You're a three percenter, <laughs> man. That'd be awesome. I'm like a that might if that was two point two. That would be like the most impressive thing that a forty six year old could say. Yeah, I'm at I'm at two point two percent. Wow. Yeah, I do all right. Killing it. Forty six. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but now, see, this is what I was saying. We're a bunch of teenagers. Uh, but well, we moved from twelve to teenage. We were, we we were, yeah, yeah, we were preteen, yeah, yeah. and so yeah. now we're teenagers. teenagers. Yeah. But I will say this. Um, um, this is something that my this is a topic that my wife and I are very passionate about. And we have done a lot of meetings. I bet you are. Yeah. <laughs> At 2.2%. You and her are obviously very yeah. passionate about it. We are. <laughs> No, no, no. What you're, what you meant to say is we're very passionate about one another, and that, and that we are. So that we are. But you were so funny. Just I'll tell you this, because Ryan to get married till you were 31. Yeah, we would play I could disc not golf. Wait to have sex. And yeah, there would be days you'd be like, I'm never getting married, and then I could just see it over lunch. Like there was a thought, and you like. But then I, I can't have sex. have sex. So after lunch, you're like, man, I can't wait to get married. I was a 31-year-old virgin, and I could not get to the altar fast enough. In fact, uh, in fact, uh, we were engaged a couple of weeks after we started dating. We were married a few weeks later, and uh, we printed up T-shirts. I don't know if you remember this when we left the reception. We printed up T-shirts. On the back, it said Dalglish. And then mine was 12 and hers was 16 for our wedding date. And on the front, it said, we can do it. <laughs> and uh, and we're walking out of the reception and people are throwing rice at us. And my Aunt Anne, who is one of the sweetest people, my Aunt Anne and my Uncle Dick have been just gracious people to me through the years, really helped me through my years of depression, really invested in me, incredible godly people. My Aunt Anne, because my parents had gotten divorced uh, about eight years earlier. Mm-hmm. My Aunt Anne comes up to me. She reads the shirt. She passes me on the shoulder and she goes, oh, Ryan, you're right. You can do it. You don't have to get divorced like everybody else is doing. And, and I, I looked her in the face because we had a close relationship. I said, Anne, 
I'm a 31-year-old virgin. Read the shirt again. <laughs> and she slapped me. And she goes, Ryan. And I was like, what? what? Like, we can do it, you know? Um, but what I was going to say is- And then you guys drove two hours? To Midland, yeah. Yeah. That was a long two hours. <laughs> I drove to the end of the parking lot parked for five minutes and then, drove, and then drove two hours. <laughs> but we, uh, yeah, but we, Michelle and I are very passionate about seeing couples come to the place where they have a yeah. healthy marriage yeah. bed and where they can rid themselves of shame. And uh, I've talked to couples where there's been adultery and I've talked to couples where there's been pornography or couples where there's been abuse. And mm -hmm. we truly believe that God is gracious enough that any of those things can be overcome in yeah. time. Yeah, For some people, it's super quick. Like God yeah. just really just ministers right to the need and they get it and they get a gospel view of it really quickly. And that's all they needed was that shift in their perspective. And then they go, oh man, and they feel that freedom. For other people, because the pain is so deep, it takes some time to work through it. But Michelle and I are very passionate about that. And if you don't have someone in your corner to talk to about that, reach out to us. We would, we would be happy to FaceTime with you or do whatever we needed to do just to encourage you in that. And so we would love to visit with you it's important. a little bit more. It yeah, is. It's yeah. very important. It's important to have somebody that you can talk to about these things and not be embarrassed about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's something that you don't have to, because people people will live in that prison their whole life. Yes. Because of the way that it's treated, yep. because it's treated so shameful. So yeah, simpler viewpoint, sex should be regarded as holy. Um it's God created um, pre-fall. This pre -fall. is all before sin. This is then we are we are sexual beings, and this is something that should be regarded as holy. Um, <coughs> let's regard it as holy within our marriages. Let's regard it in holy as we as we talk about it. This isn't something that has to be taboo. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be um, something that we whisper about. Oh, are you going to talk about sex together? <laughs> I know that in, was... in the same room. Yeah, like, that's your, ridiculous. As your fiance. I know y'all are getting married in a week, what? but. Y'all are going to talk in the same room. I only sex. talk to that, dudes about I think sex. that's, <laughs> that might be the strangest statement that's ever come across on the Simpler Podcast. What did you just say? <laughs> I only talk to dudes about sex. Yes. That's basically what that guy said. I mean, like. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. he's saying. So, like, he, I'm only going to talk to guys about he, sex. He can't, with his wife that he loves and apparently has a sexual relationship with, sit down with a couple that's about to be married and counsel them on it without splitting them up because, I'll like, speak to the bros. It, it, what, what do you do? What, how does that work exactly? Like, okay, I know you haven't seen With any sex. of the equipment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, here's the diagram, yeah. you know? And then when you get married, one of you goes into this bathroom and one of you goes into the other bathroom and hope you have a good time. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so on a side note, when it's kind of funny, tell us a story about some acquaintances that were the opposite of that, that had to make a phone call. Yeah, uh, I have some close friends and uh, they let me use this story in one of my books that I wrote. So I feel like I can use it on the podcast as well. Free but, reign. But they, they grew up um, godly homes. They, they grew up, well, they grew up in church. Uh, he grew up in a really godly home. Um, I think that she grew up, uh, I mean, I knew she, I know she grew, grew up in church. I don't know as much about her family as I know about his and, uh, and because they'd always been taught not to talk about sex and to be ashamed of sex, they were really young when they got married. I want to say 19 and 20. And they went on their honeymoon on a cruise and they got on their honeymoon and they didn't know how to have sex. Mm. And so the first night happened happens and they can't figure it out and they're embarrassed and they're ashamed and you know and so next night happens they can't figure it out they're embarrassed and ashamed so like the third night they still can't figure out how to have sex so she 
she's crying and she says, just go down to the the bar and find yourself a girl. <laughs> Cause she's so like, I don't know what to do for my husband and he doesn't know what to do. Like, just go find somebody who can show you. Like, she's like, it's your honeymoon. You should be. And so he's like, oh, no, obviously we're not going to do that. Okay. Yeah. So she calls her mom mm-hmm. from the honeymoon and says, tell me what to do. Like, how do we do this? And the mom get, coaches them on it. And then they were like, hey, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> you talked about your wife being really, really white in the last episode, I think, you know, with the white out, you yeah, know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, this couple is the whitest couple I've ever seen. <laughs> and so they were so happy the next day. They spent the whole day on the beach, neither of them with sunscreen. <laughs> and they ended up baked like bright yeah. red lobsters. And now they knew how to have sex, they can't but couldn't because they, can't they were both in so much pain. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. There are those rare cases. Yeah. Not, I would say that's maybe the single yeah, where, in the history of the yeah, world. Yeah, where they didn't have like toxic kind of, you know, bad situations or whatever. Yeah, they just, yeah, yeah. They just didn't know. Just didn't know. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Cool. Sex should be regarded as holy. Don't live in shame, but embrace the freedom that God's given us and embrace the gift that he's given us with sex. It, we Did we talk about that? Like, let me just reiterate that. What we mean is sex was intended between a man and woman inside marriage, specifically of faith to paint the picture of the rich. Right. So we're not saying yeah. like, just go have sex willy nilly. Right. Enjoy yeah. that. Absolutely. Did I say willy nilly with that? Willy nilly. <laughs> willy nilly Nelson. <laughs> Boot scooting. Well, if you guys don't have anything to ha- add, we can move to a simpler act. I don't even, I feel like I should I mean, have tried to find a sex simpler act for yeah, this for too, real. but. Well, full body condom. From a, from, a, from a practical standpoint, go to the bathroom after you've had sex, especially if you're a girl. Because, Are you doing a simpler act now? Yeah. No. Wow. Come on. No, but you know, like it's it, it helps, per, helps prevent uh, UTIs. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Had no idea. You you have Ryan through the years just having to do counseling. Like you have some of the most random knowledge about you stuff mean, related like, to sex. Like go Is, pee, don't just go visit the bathroom. Like, yeah, you need you need to pee. Like, yeah. I walk through the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got a UCI. I, I walked into the bathroom, walked right out. You said go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. He said go to the bathroom. Um, it, it's not a sex simpler hack because. Uh, yeah, that would be, that'd pee. be a little awkward maybe. But it is, it is something. <laughs> but we that, wouldn't be ashamed of it. I'll tell you that. Not, no. It's, it's something similar. So have you ever been in one of those awkward situations where someone says, I love you, but you're not really sure if you should say it back or not? Like, I'm not even just talking about like that middle school thing where like the girl <laughs> says it and you don't know how, you know, like, or yeah. like, I remember the Titans when the dude won't hang up the phone or she won't let him get off the phone. She's like, I'm not <laughs> hanging up till you say it. And he's like, I love you. And everybody starts laughing. Like, <laughs> if you've ever been in a situation where someone says, I love you and you don't feel the same way and you don't feel like you can like justifiably respond, a really simple hack to get out of that situation really quickly is to say, I love YouTube really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, in Star Wars, uh, when Princess Leia says to Han Solo, right? She says, I love you. And he says, I know. Mm -hmm. The line was supposed to be, I love you too. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's he did not feel it was what Solo would say. Yeah, he's a baller. He's like, not, yeah. He was like, I know. <laughs> and that's a dope line. I love YouTube. That's a dope line. I love YouTube. I love YouTube. <laughs> I love YouTube. Uh... Yeah, to this day, I have not told Hannah I love her. 
<laughs> it's always YouTube. I'm still, I'm still filling it out. We should have asked you some more questions because I did your premarital counseling and I talked to you and Hannah about oh, sex man, before. Sex you, is pretty great, man. I like it. Before you got married. <laughs> um, we made a baby. We're doing pretty good at it. Yeah, y'all have had it one time. We've made one baby, <laughs> had sex one time. I mean, it's it was that, it is sad to hear that. Sexful? Like I know couples like that. They'll say, oh, we have this many kids. It's because we had this many birthday days of sex. Like that's like we never had sex, but you know, it's like a reward for birthday or something like that. And so then we got uh, pregnant. And, I hope you're praying and fasting, you know? <laughs> yeah. Between all those things. Yeah. yeah. Because these don't, people didn't look like they were, don't, definitely, they definitely weren't fasting. Don't abstain. <laughs> don't abstain unless you're praying and fasting. Like I, I it's a pretty important part of the marriage life. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, like praying and fasting. Well, <laughs> sex, <laughs> like yeah. I, I'm, I don't want to be unspiritual here, but if I have to pick out of these three categories, I can pray or I can fast or I can have sex. I'm picking sex, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, thank you. Yeah. That was a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So if we have to abstain from sex, you can bet I'm going to be praying a lot because I want to get to the answer of whatever the question is, God, so that I can get back to the sex. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Speaking of being sexy, Steven's over there. <laughs> Woo! Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Woo. Just getting hated on in the first part, and then a nice compliment. That's right, look man. At, look at those you. toes. That's for you. Mm. Steven's, Steven's at the garden. If you want to see more of Steven's toe, he's... <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> he is at the garden. Instagram channel is Steven this. has an Instagram where it just features his feet <laughs> in, 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 yeah, in salsa yeah, and yeah. queso, just different condiments on his feet, yeah. you know, so... It's uh, at the garden video <laughs> underscore toes with a Z. Yeah. And that's condiments, M-E-N-T-S. <laughs> you were the check. only one who questioned that. <laughs> Mike had just questioned what to say to that. He wanted a joke. Go check out at the garden audio. Hey, y'all did really uh, good on that. That was that was good. Thanks. It could have been all, it could have. We could have gone down some. Yeah, we're talking about the, well, we're talking the, about the four of us, yeah, that could have gone really bad. I stayed muted the whole time. Yeah, that's good. Thank we're you. But it was actually, I mean, solid. Solid. Information. I like how he was like, it was actually solid. <laughs> actually. Like out of all the podcasts we've done, that one, that one was pretty good. That one was pretty good. I'm going to, uh, so from now on. Multiple, uh, multiple uh, streams. Okay, okay. So here's what we to need to do us. from now on. From now on. Yeah. We need, we need to like, so you need to rate each episode of the end when he pitches it to you, you know, was it like a, yeah. was that a, you know, do we get four <laughs> thumbs up out of five for that one? Or I feel like you gave some solid information. That one. I'll get it. I'll get like a LED, like five stars. And then at the yeah. end, I'll just light up how many. I think oh it yeah. Please do. That would be so stinking fun. I feel, you like, know, I felt like that was simpler. Yeah. There you go. I feel like we need some, some merch now that says a simple <gasps> view of marriage and just says 3%. 3%. 3%. That's, That's a lot of work. I was talking to Kinsey about that. Too. 3%. No. Simpler. <laughs> nice. So we got to up our game. Yeah. Not, not the 3%. Oh, where was I? Oh, while you're following Steven over there at, at the Garden Audio, follow us at Simpler Pod. Subscribe, follow, leave reviews, all that fun stuff. It helps. It does help. We love you guys so much. And we think you love us. Show some love. Spread the simpler. I love YouTube. Thanks. Love you too. That's right. <laughs> you know, when you're not ready. If you're not ready, uh, just, you know, I love you too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, as always, <laughs> uh, what, what do we say? Keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> Speechless.
Wow, like ep- episode like as, 35 as or 36, and you're like, wait, what do we Keep Crisis Core. What is this about? <laughs> what could be simpler than that? We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. What, what is this about? What are we doing? I was about to say, as always, what could be simpler than that? I would immediately take a one star off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>